G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story I had a little bit of money, but not too much. But I used to go to Audi and pick things out of the bin there and eat that. There was a lot of people who would drop bread at the local park in Billy Heads. So I'd go and visit them and I had a few good conversations with a few people, but I usually was known as a bit of a mouse. I'd come in and creep in and, and run, run for the hills after <laughs> someone discussed conversation with me. I'd just be like, gone. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, the first word that comes to mind when hearing Lauren's story is fascinating. I mean, how could a young lady go through so much hardship, but yet still have such a sunny disposition? Today, we'll hear firsthand what it was like for her to be homeless and having to search for food and a place to sleep each night. She'll also share how God entered her life and turned the whole situation around. Lauren is having a chat with Karen Hunt. Lauren, it's great to have you join me. Tell me, where exactly were you born in Western Australia? I was born in the northern suburbs of Perth. I grew up with my mum and my dad around the Hillary's Malaloo area until I was about four years old. I'd say my most favourite memory of growing up with my family was uh, going to the beach I guess playing in the sand and doing surf life-saving lessons, which I actually was really scared of as well because I had a fear of the water. But for me, one of my favourite memories was just hanging out and being with my family with my older brother. So just the two of you, you and your brother Adam? Just the two of us, yes. He is 28 now, so four years difference between the two of us. What were you good at when you were little? I mean, you're so creative. Did you get into creative pursuits way back then? What did you love? So I was actually born with a learning difficulty, which meant that my left brain and my right brain didn't communicate properly, which made myself really creative growing up. So I used to paint and do photography and communicate through drawings, and I would show that to my teachers as well. So we're talking expressive arts, therapeutically in a sense, yeah? Uh, Yeah, that's correct. Expressive art and also collages and um, pictures and things like that. For me, a lot of the time, colours would take a big part of who I am because colours mean a lot to my brain and certain colours I pick up on um, trigger emotional responses as well. So your earlier memories going back to there, so put a colour to the junior years of your life. I'd say the colour that I'd choose for my junior years of my life would be, I'd say probably a yellow, because it's really sunny, it's really bright, and I used to love sunflowers growing up as well. I used to go and pick all the little flowers off and be like, oh, Daddy loves me, and yeah. He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. I remember that little ditty. And so the yellow colour, did that remain? What happened? Basically, that colour didn't remain because my parents ended up breaking up when I was a little kid at four. 
and I can't really remember the psychological response to that because I guess in a way as a child how you cope with it you kind of wash it over with something more happy I don't really remember anything in terms of them fighting but I do remember this one day when my brother ended up putting on a CD to actually, I guess, calm the mood a little bit, but I don't remember them fighting at all. I'd say the colour that I would have placed over that time would be kind of a grey area, definitely in my life, but I also remember it as being a really interesting time because my parents, they still remain friends, but at the same time, my mum started to date a lot and my dad basically lived in his own apartment so I spent more time with mum because dad was always busy working during those young years. He worked really hard but um, I'd say with mum she was the sole custody person. Obviously we lived with her more often than dad but we'd see dad all the time and on weekends up until the point that obviously mum and I moved over to the east coast with her current partner. So we're talking just you and your mum so your brother stayed behind with dad? Adam actually ended up saying yeah he stayed behind basically to be with dad because he needed him. He was a teenager at that point and I was a little bit younger so so Lauren where was God in the picture at this time did you have any awareness of him at all basically growing up my mum was a Jehovah's Witness to start off with but she bounced between spirituality and also being a Jehovah's Witness so at the age of about five she stops being a Jehovah's Witness and we kind of were just thrown into the mix of people who didn't really have a faith. My dad always knew there was a God, but he didn't really talk too much about it, and I didn't really ask him questions to about the age of eight. I believe it kind of rang true when I started to get a little bit older as well. He started to show me the fact that God is love, and a lot of the time I think people really forget that God can be found in the little things as well and not just the big things. So Lauren, you told me at about the age of what, 16, 17, there was a period in your lifetime where you actually became a homeless youth on the Gold Coast, the city of glamour and glitz in some people's eyes. Can you tell us that story? Sure, Karen. Basically what ended up happening was I was living with my mum and her partner at the time. I lived in a really good neighbourhood. I lived in in Burley and we had all the families around us who they used to put on a trick-or-treating thing every Halloween and it looked all happy families and things like that. But inside our house, there was always a lot of fighting going on. There was always a lot of conflicts. And my mum's current partner didn't really uh, gel too well with me and vice versa. So basically what ended up happening was um, at the time, as soon as I turned 17, and I'd finished high school at that point, um, I think I was about 17 and a half, the payments for Centrelink stopped and my legal guardian, who was my mum, ended up saying, well, the payments have stopped, what do we do? And my stepdad, or my mum's partner at the time, ended up saying, well, let's just put some of her stuff out on the driveway. And mum didn't really kick up a fight. I think she was a little bit shocked at the time, but I ended up uh, leaving because 
and not by choice, but by him saying, you know, you need to leave. And I just grabbed a few things on the way out and ended up uh, walking down the road. And I, I remember sleeping in a nearby park and thinking, well, where do I go from here type thing? I remember thinking that I'm safe and loved by God. I really don't need to think that I'm in any danger because I'm not. Okay, hold on a minute. That's a lot of information in one hit. So you're Sorry. saying personal items were placed out in the front of your house, yep. like everything or just a few token things or... Um, even my furniture was put out there. So all of your personal things? All my personal belongings were put out on the driveway out the front. So, And there you go. The day's up. Move on. Time's up with us. Yeah, that's correct. My mum has a bit of a, a past history with creating conflict with her children. Yeah, so we ended up, well, I ended up just kind of walking down the road and just being like, well, I'll just grab what I need and leaving a lot of that stuff with mum. So was there a friend or, or someone, the girl that you went to the craft class with, the, the youth leader, was there someone that you could go to at that time? Because of the emotional response and the turmoil that I'd experienced from my own home, I didn't really trust people enough to say... I'm homeless and also the fact that previously my mum had got me to lie to my dad. In that time, I guess I didn't really trust people to tell the truth. I kind of pretended to be an alright citizen of the Gold Coast, but in the way I was really struggling and homeless. Here you are, suddenly finding all of your personal belongings out on the footpath. Time's up, go find your own way. Tell us the particular park. How long did that park become home? And what other type of characters did you meet in this time frame? During the time that I was a homeless youth, which was all up six months, I ended up uh, avoiding people in general. I, it was like a Mission Impossible, really. Even when you went into local shopping centres and things like that to have a, a look around during the day or around crowds you just blend in you wouldn't really think that I was a homeless youth I used to pretend that I was like everyone else so during the day I was like everyone else but at, at night time I, I slept in a particular park uh, I actually went back and, and showed one of my friends recently which is around the Marymount school area it's just a lot of land where there's lots of bushes and things like that and there was also a park there that I used to happily sleep. I slept in a lot of benches and got used to a lot of steel. I think there's little tricks that you learn when you're homeless, like how can you use your backpack as a pillow and how can you go and ask people for money or, or just avoid people in general if you don't want to be found. You said happily sleep. I mean, comfortably happily sleep? Yeah, at this point, I think it was two months in, I, I really did start to enjoy sleeping out underneath the stars and I guess talking with God a lot more because in my own home, we didn't really discuss it at all. We didn't really talk about God in general, but started to feel safer in the outside world than I did in my own home. So you're there, all on your own, out in the dark, under the stars, but protected by your God. Yeah, I would have little conversations with him. I'd just say to him, you know, I'm safe, I'm, I'm loved, aren't I, God? And 
just pretend like everything was okay or talk to them like you're talking to a friend, really. So you weren't at school. You'd left school by this stage. Yes, I had. I was in that difficult stage of my life where I, I was obviously a teenager as well, but not quite an adult. And I guess my mum's partner found a little bit of a threat in that as well because, well, his emotional response was he didn't really have much family and he didn't like talking to other people. He wanted to be quite isolated himself. So we then became quite isolated. And in a way... I guess that carried into my teenhood as well. I didn't really like talking to people too much and you might find that a little bit surprising. Just out of curiosity, food, clothing, warmth, where did you go for those basic needs? So for the warmth part of it, I used to use the grass on the particular fields and there'd be like bushes and things like that, but I'm pretty sure I had a blanket in my bag that I, I grabbed um, also for food, I had a little bit of money, but not too much. But I used to go to Audi and pick things out of the bin there and eat that. There was a lot of people who would drop bread um, at the local park in Billy Heads. So I'd go and visit them and I had a few good conversations with a few people, but I usually was known as a bit of a mouse. I'd come in and creep in and, and run, run for the hills after <laughs> someone discussed conversation with me. I'd just be like, gone. There one second, gone the next type thing. So yeah, I was, known, I was known to be a bit of a runner as well. So did anyone reach out to you particularly? If they did try to reach out to me, I don't remember because most of the time my focus was on running. Yeah, it was escape from what was going on psychologically with my, my family and also with things that I couldn't really handle, teenagehood and becoming an adult as well. I was a bit like Peter Pan. I didn't want to grow up. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with a young lady named Lauren and finding out about her journey through homelessness. We'll hear how God enters her life and turns her whole situation around when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with a gifted young lady named Lauren, who unfortunately has gone through her share of hardships in life. Before the break, we heard the events in her life that led to her being homeless. Next, we'll hear how her life turns around and how she is now using her creative talents to bring glory to the Lord. Now, you've told me about a particular time where you were shoeless you were walking down a highway and you headed to a particular place. What was going on at that point and where did you go to? So at some point during the six months, I'd actually slept a lot on benches and things like that and I tend to go back to the spot that I felt comfortable in. At one point, I was sleeping on this bench. I ended up hearing God's voice. Well, I believe it was God's voice because it came through quite clear saying, well, you should go for a walk. 
I thought to myself, look, it's it's 2 a.m. in the morning. Why should I go for a walk at this time in the morning? I'll wait until the next day. And God was like, okay, that's fine. But he needs to go for a walk. So the next day I got up, I think it was around 7 o'clock, and I just started walking. I didn't have any shoes on because most of my shoes had been worn out and were quite old and dirty. So I didn't really take that good care of myself at that point in time. But I ended up walking and and walking up the highway and I felt God say to me, Lauren, you, you have to turn this way. And he was directing me in my path. And I ended up walking into a community building, which I thought was quite daunting at the time because I was like well I don't want to talk to people I just want to I just want to run as fast as I can and as hard as I can away from people so I ended up walking into this community building which is known as plus one care and a lovely lady at the desk started talking to me about um, Jesus and God and started to say to me well what can we do and I said to her I don't really have a phone but I would like to make contact with my dad yeah I ended up calling him and he straight away responded and said well you're coming with me home to WA and yeah I ended up going to live with him and I remained there for most of my life until recently. Lauren you were what 18 19 you're saying your dad is welcoming you back home so to speak with open arms what was life like in this season I really hadn't spent much time with dad over the years being a teenager so I didn't really know that much about him and I guess an awkward kind of ogre picture was painted of him so it was quite funny I I ended up going to live with him and and dad welcomes me with open arms and he ended up developing a routine and was quite disciplinarian with me so he'd be like get up at 7am and and start to get some initiative about life he ended up um, trying to get me into the family business and trying to train me up in a couple of things but one day he actually said to me what would you like to do wow I'm I'm 20 and I, I have no idea what I want to do but I just said the first thing that came to my head and that was photography so dad was like all right we'll we'll get you a camera he ended up ordering one off eBay getting all the stuff that we needed and planning it all out it took me a while to open up to my dad but it didn't take long before we were pretty much two peas in a pod watching TV shows and football and for me in particular it was about going back and being with my family who loved me and and finding out that I wasn't so alone and getting to know my grandparents and getting to know my father in general. And your connection with your mum was that severed or was there still contact with her in any way? I still had some some issues there and they ended up telling me to go see a a Christian counsellor so dad kind of sat in on that and found out really what my story was all about he ended up tearing up and and saying oh I kind of understand you a lot more now and I guess in a way I'm I'm quite quick quick to forgive and that's what I've been taught over the years um, during the time that I've been pulled and and chopped and changed schools and things like that. I think it is about forgiving people and I ended up reforming a relationship with my mum and her partner and, yeah, we still remain 
friends today. That's quite a big thing. Yeah, but my dad had also taught me a lot of life skills where uh, I didn't want to hold a grudge against my mum and I, I definitely didn't want to I didn't want her to to think that I don't like her or anything like that. I love who she is now and, and love who she's become. So in Perth photography, you got that U-Butte camera, you worked at things with your dad, he was obviously still busy within his own business and what he was doing for his life, but for you, flash mobs became a key part of your world. What is all that about and how did you get things going? Basically in the years that I was growing up with dad, my brother Adam was a presenter on stage. He'd also do seminars for a lot of different key speakers and personalities all around Australia. So we had a lot of fun, I guess, me being the photographer and and him being the person who was on stage. My dad was kind of the key businessman, but when I was living with dad and Adam was off around Australia, dad said to me, well, you're not really doing photography anymore. And at this stage, I was around 21. And dad said to me, well, your uncle's really sick, Loz, and he might end up passing away. And he, he did. He ended up going to be with God. And, and dad said to me one day a lot later, um, now that you've finished photography, what do you want to do? And uh, we were researching YouTube at, at that point in time. And we found that a lot of people were speaking out and doing certain things for leukemia and one of them was a flash mob that was in Perth. There was a show in America that was also showing at this point in time and it was quite a big production where they would get dancers and singers and do musical things in the streets and I'd always had a a dance background so I said to myself, well, how can I get people to be more involved with charities but at the same time feel like they're a part of something and and also have fun we ended up putting our first one on Fremantle markets and and doing it to Gangnam Style and it wasn't really a an event where I got paid for it or anything but it was quite a fun event where we all did things for community and got involved and danced in the streets and so you developed your own company so you're the director producer choreographer and you round up others to perform and create flash mobs at different types of events we ended up catering them for weddings a little bit later on so we still do community but mainly it's based upon the fact that we want to make people have a special day during their wedding reception or wedding ceremony or surprise their special someone with a flash mob dance and that's what we do we we take people and we teach them how to have fun during that time when they're getting married i think god has a really funny sense of humor sometimes i never used to see a lot of worth in myself but god saw my worth and said to me you are worthy of everything that you have now i often kind of double take and think wow look what he he did he actually took a a mountain of coal and turned it into a diamond at the moment I'm developing a community garden through my local church and plus one care as a community organization is letting me um, develop and build a, a local community garden for people who were like myself homeless or disadvantaged or people who 
need food or shelter. And that's where you are shining like a diamond. <laughs> this local church is where you have found yourself planted. And life is a whole different picture now to what it was. Yes, it is, because now I actually enjoy life. I love going up and making conversations with random people. Lauren, God bless you, honey. It's been great sharing your story. Bye-bye. That was Karen Hunt chatting with a gifted young lady named Lauren and finding out her amazing story. Personally, I'd never heard of someone sharing so openly about the struggles one goes through while trying to survive on the streets. It it was really eye-opening and helped me to imagine what it would be like to be in that situation. It's encouraging to hear about Christian ministries that are making a difference in this area, like the one Lauren has become involved in, called Plus One Care. To find out more information about them, their website is plusonecare.org. That's plusonecare.org. Finally, I think it's fitting to wrap up today's program with these verses in the Bible. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Also, remember those who are mistreated as if you were suffering with them. Something for us all to remember. Well, thanks for joining us for Lauren's amazing story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There's so many reasons why homelessness happens. And when you are in a desperate situation, you lose hope very, very quickly. And then when you find out that you're getting turned away from shelters, wow, what do you do then? You then start looking for cardboard. Your brain starts looking for things that keep you warm. Now that they've got a backpack bed, they go, that's one stress I don't have to worry about looking for cardboard tonight. One Sunday, during praise and worship at his church, Tony Clark got a brilliant idea for how he could help people who are homeless. And his idea has gone on to provide practical help and dignity to thousands of homeless people. We'll find out the story behind his backpack bed invention next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 